Hey guys, welcome to the debut episode of the Queen of Corporate Podcast, hosted by me, Chrissy Gregory. The goal of this podcast is to give you guys a peek behind the curtain of some of your favorite people from the entertainment industry and jobs that aren't necessarily corporate, so you can check yours at the door for a little while. I have an awesome show in store for you guys today. We have actor Michael Provost on as our guest. He is currently mocking me as I'm doing this because it's very cringy. Um, but yeah, you've probably seen him play Brick Armstrong in the Netflix show Insatiable, along with Parker in Saving Zoe, and a number of other productions. So thank you so much for coming on today, Michael. Hello, oh, hello. Insert a lot of applause right here. Thank you. Thank you. That was that took a lot out of me. Like I need a deep breath. My diaphragm hurts. Are you sitting right now or standing? Oh, I am sitting. Like this chair I stole from my little sister's room and I'm sitting in front of my window. I am making direct eye contact with the Zac Efron poster in front of my face. Lo so, oh, nice. Love Zac Efron. I know, I honestly, I've doubled down. Now it's like I've had it in my room so long, it's staying forever. What year is this Zac Efron? This is start of something new, High School Musical 2008, I think Zac Efron. He doesn't even have his biceps yet? No, no. And this is when everyone thought he was so tall and I, we were so short. And he's, it's kind of deceptive. I think he's only like five, eight-ish. I don't know. But I remember thinking he was like a giant. It, it's definitely because he was playing basketball. That's it. That's it. Had to be. Had to be. Yeah. I, I'm convinced that his arms right now are insured. Like, like all state is involved. There's state farm. Someone is yeah. like, oh, yeah. who's, who's covering those arms? Because... I don't know what happened. Man, like, hit, like, 22 and then stepped out onto the beach and the whole world was like, um, What Zach, happened? Zach, Troy. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, where did these come from? And, and then he started mm -hmm. selling tickets to the gun show. I, I think my, my hair is long enough. And I don't know for your video, but I think my hair is long enough where I can do the, the Troy hair. Just oh, wow. Let's see it. This will be the clip. This will be the clip I use. You hit him with the Troy Bolton hair. They know what's up. To get your head in the game, you gotta. Yeah, That's we all know. Great. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank if you, you guys can't tell, he's also super fun to look at. On top of being a super talented actor, but you guys probably already know that if you've seen him. Zach Efron. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's you. Um, what were you talking about before Zac Efron? I before my cringy little spiel because guys if you don't know we've been talking for like a decent amount of time prior to recording so we had to, we had to catch up because we actually know each other from yeah we should probably get that out of the way yeah um mm -hmm. last time i saw you was our parents our parents are friends so that's how we mm -hmm. knew each other so our parents got together and so it had to be like 20 15 and it was just yep. like one of those casual passerby and mm -hmm. i remember I, I must have been like 12 years old and you had become like so attractive oh, and I my, was like, god. oh my god i can't talk to her <laughs> like i was so excited to see the gregory girls and now like in walks chrissy and i was like oh my god stop it stop it i am blushing are you kidding me he was a I big just, star already by that point i hope you all know yeah, um that's also such a stretch because I was in the 
maxi skirt phase of my life, which was like a really dark period of time for me. Like, was I not in that phase as well? I, I thought we were both doing that together. We were probably doing it together, honestly. And I just look back at that trend and I'm so confused because basically we were wearing these like, gray, like light gray or light blue, like jersey skirts in the middle of summer. That is not conducive to no. not having sweat stains all down your body. Just, I don't know. general health. Just yeah, yeah. Oh, it gets zesty for sure in that skirt. There is no way that is passing Ugh. so gross. No. But I'm glad you thought I was cute. Teehee. I think you were Love going to, to a concert, if my memory. I was actually, no, you're right. I was going to a concert, I think, the next week, but I was going to a party that night. So I kept kind of doing like a vanishing act and coming back mm. and having like a little, uh, like I would come back with like a little bit more like mascara or eyeliner on. My mom probably caught wind. She's like, what are you doing? Why are you getting ready? Like, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm I was like, I am heading what? out soon. What? This beat? Um, mm -hmm. She's like, why can't you drive there? I'm like, oh my, I don't know. I'm just like sleepy. I'll have a friend come pick me up. Because I'm responsible, mom. Because yeah. I'm responsible. I'm a responsible young lady. Um, yeah, who loves yeah. Zac Efron very dearly. But yeah, I wanted to start off with a little rapid fire questions. I'm not going to lie. One of these is just solely because I saw on Instagram, you went to Forks with yes. your yeah. GF and like, mm, that does something for me. I am a huge Twilight fan. It's not okay. Kind of embarrassing. It's hard not to be. I get it. it. It's, it's hard not to be. So I'm going to kick it off with, are you team Edward or are you team Jacob? Uh, Jacob's the vampire, right? No, he's the werewolf. Bro, you went to Forks and you don't know this? So I'm team Edward because my girlfriend um, would prefer that. I so Thank I, God. I, thank God. A good woman after yes. my own heart. Okay. Take her own. Um, I, she also explained to me this, uh, that Jacob ends up um, in love with yes. her. Which, yes. Which <laughs> made me question the whole arc of Jacob's, you know, character, where he oh. stands morally. I was told that it's okay, that even though I was freaking out while I was being told um, that it, that it somehow is okay, but it just didn't strike me. It's somehow okay. And like, I have a lot of questions for Stephanie Meyer, just in general, that stylistic choice. It was hard for me to ride for her on that one, but you want to know what? I'm not a Fairweather fan, so I'll stick with your choice on that. Um, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like it, the Cubs fans, man. They, they went, what, 180 years? Mm-hmm. No World mm -hmm. Series, and then everyone suddenly has got Cubbies hats. And it's That's like, what's up. My dad was wearing a um, Cubbies quarter zip when we were in. We went to Amsterdam, and it was bright blue, and we stuck out like sore thumbs. So every time I hear that word, I'm like a little traumatized because that's the mental image I have. Dad, dad, please. I'm like, all right, let's be more American, shall we? We're not even Chicagoans or whatever. But you can't lose them. You know, you just look for the big blue highlighter and you're like, oh. Exactly, exactly. So it was very easy to keep track of where he was. Okay, all right. So another question. This is kind of another. I did this Instagram poll the other day and I was disappointed by the results. But number one, do you watch Jersey Shore? Have you watched Jersey Shore? You will never watch Jersey Shore. You've never watched Jersey Shore? I refuse. Wow. I, you know, I've been educating Katie. I feel like it's, it was a cultural reset. It's reality television that you have to watch at some point for the culture, even if you hate it, if that makes sense. I don't know. 
it was such a struggle for me to be even allowed to watch Ed, Ed and Eddie. I was never allowed to watch Ed, Ed and Eddie. That exactly. So why would I just watch the adult version of Ed, Ed and Eddie? I just, I can't wrap my head around it. And, and I understand that it is a cultural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. I just think there's a reason that I missed it. And I want to respect that reason. Okay. I listen, I get it. I think it's more of the adult version of Rugrats. Like that's probably where we're sitting there. But, um, yeah, my question was going to be if you prefer Vinny or Polly. They have their own little spinoff show now uh, where they're both still single and dating, which isn't like wow. super shocking. Wow. I personally reside with Polly. He does something for me. I can't really explain it. But what does he do? What does he do? He's a DJ. He's a DJ. What is, uh, what does the other one do? He's the Keto Guido. Keto Guido, if that has been a thing. So just Keto. Okay, so with one, yeah. I get... I get does he DJ good music or is it dub wub, hubba dub, wub wub music? I think it's more the second. I think every song that I've listened of his that I liked, I mean, I don't know if this is like super okay to say, but I've, I always read the comments and it's always like, oh yeah, this is like super similar to another mix or something. So I don't know how many of those beats are really his own, but love him anyway. So what does the Keto Guido do? He just makes keto pancakes and... He eats so much bacon and a lot of steak and a lot of avocado i don't really know what else he's gotten into i think he had like oh. a spin-off show himself Perfect. Um, uh, describe their hairstyles for me i'll just show you a picture you tell me who does it the most for you of these two wow these are both terrible fucking pictures um okay Vinny okay. is on the oh, left oh, Polly is that one how are these men still single? Oh my God! Look at the look at them. They look like they're having so much fun. Oh, they look like a good time. They definitely don't look like they're gonna cheat on you. Nope. Vegas first chance they get. I uh, I will go uh, with the keto Guido uh, because for my love of avocados and because honestly a keto diet would probably suit me suit me well. I don't I want to call him by his real name. Uh, just because I feel like the Keto Guido is so spectacular. It is. It really was a branding that I don't think can be matched by much else. Like I, that rebranding there, he turned it around. No longer Party Boy. No. No, Keto Guido. Keto Guido. All right, we'll move on to the next one. What movie poster, in your opinion, should be hanging in MoMA? Doesn't even have to be like a really sophisticated one, but just one that really does something for you. The classics come to mind of like Pulp, pulp Fiction. I felt like you were going to say that. Classic, but uh, what's exciting about MoMA um, is it you're, it's art, so you're allowed to take it other places. Um, take every film done in the quote golden age, uh, 40s and 50s, um, when uh, black people aren't being represented in film, and take like today's act. Yeah. and maybe oh, like, yeah. create an image um like really do up the photoshop and plug the actors into those old school movie posters uh i feel like that Look would be a, that. Like, that would be pretty radical in terms of like you just do a wall of them just do a wall um because like you know even guys like sydney portier it's like they were they were given scraps comparatively oh um, yeah and it took forever for them to get there. And it's exactly. something great. Like all the directors in the U.S. and the U.K., only 4% are black. That's crazy. 
100%. That's absurd. I didn't know that. See, this is why we come to you. You, you have all the information that maybe we don't have on the corporate side of things. I would never know that. But you actually took your answer somewhere really great. My answer is the movie Project X because number one, that movie poster, I would Photoshop it just to be me after quarantine ends in the same position with him all like laid out with the red solo cups. But just because, especially being in quarantine, I have watched that movie so many times just to feel like I'm at a party. It really, it makes you feel something. It's definitely a fun, quick watch you don't get too invested in, which I think is what everyone needs at this point. It has been a long time since I have seen that. I just know that the soundtrack, like... Oh, that's also it. The soundtrack is incredible. Absolutely. Kid Cuddy, you can't go wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, you have a great British accent, but like I shouldn't be surprised because, again, you're an actor. When I sit in traffic, I have this big book and... Damn it, it's not near. But I have this big book with a bunch of like CDs. My mom actually got it for me. Um, And it has like every accent you could ever dream of. And you just pop a CD and it just goes throughout these different dialects. It's a great way to spend time in traffic, especially if you're a young actor listening to this. Um, But. Oh, that's so awesome. That's very cool. I mean, I would never know that that's something that exists. Great choice by mom. All right, let's see. What's your, what is your drink of choice? Drink of choice. Um, Mexican mules are fantastic. Okay. That's a, I haven't gotten that answer, but you're a tequila guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dark, dark liquor just creates the worst hangovers for me Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the world. Um, So it's really, it's clear liquor and... If, if I am going out with the intent of feeling the alcohol I'm drinking, I will have my shot of tequila and then I will drink beer for the rest of the night. Um, okay. So. That's a good recipe. I, I have to have it in my hand. Like I, I can't do like, I can't be the guy who does like four mixed drinks in a night because they'll be gone wait in the first <laughs> hour of the evening. Yeah. People are like, well, Michael's fucked. So. Yeah. Well, that's where I run into my problem because my drink of choice is always like a vodka soda or a White Claw or like a High Noon, something like that. But if it's in my hand, I'm going to drink it. So that starts to happen. But that also makes my friends hate me because I have the smallest bladder on planet Earth. So it's like, I'm, they're like, yeah, I'm like, I gotta go. Someone's gotta come with me. And they're like, well, we're on drink, like halfway through our first drink. You're on drink three. Of course you're about to burst. I know I'm not coming with you. This is the third time. White clothes are dangerous. They White are, because they don't are- taste like anything. No one, no, I was so anti-claw. And then someone yeah. threw me one, and while it was in the air, said it to me. They said, there's no law with the claw. And yep. I was like, I was like, what does this Damn mean? Straight. It just means that you drink five and you think, you think, oh, I just hydrated. I just had you know, some water Mm -hmm. and 45 minutes later, you're on your ass and you're going, no, no, there needs to be laws. Yes. Needs to be laws laws. with claws. Yeah. I know. I actually wrote in one of my sketch classes, I wrote like a a spoof of white claw called black paw. And basically the whole premise was the idea that since they just taste like normal seltzer, you don't realize how 
intense they are. That was very fun for me to write because I got to use some of my own personal experiences where, yeah, the first time I drank it, I was on number four. I was like, it's great. It's a seltzer. Who cares? And then I'm like falling down a flight of stairs. I'm like, oh, got it. Got it. Let's reel it back. Let's reel it back. Maybe, that's, maybe that's mix in a water. That's, that's the commercial. It's just someone casually sipping it at a bar and then... <laughs> Doom, 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 falling down the stair like oh ball. yeah try not to black out like oh god no there should be a warning on white claws like it should just be like white claw mix in a water you know you don't think you need it you could use it you could use it i promise you favorite place you've ever traveled oregon you- was oregon was spectacular that like that you know when things just like work out? Yes. I don't know how, but it just feels like that that invisible clock that our hearts are beating in time with, like you just have somehow managed to like, you come to the right place at the right time, the exact fucking thing that needed to happen, happened. Um, my girlfriend and I uh, were driving through, uh, we had to cut across Northern California up through Oregon to get to um, the coast coming from Reno. Night comes and we still have about six hours of driving and we've got a, we're like out of self-service. We're basically just following road signs at night to like get through this national park, just like praying like, all right, we kind of know where we're going. We know if we keep going this way, we'll eventually run into the coast and it will just work out. And that creates tension and tension between lovers there's like nothing like it it's just like oh yeah it's it's a lot um and we're we bust out onto the onto the coast and we're pushing up pushing up pushing up and we see like this blinking light that's happening and it's a lighthouse but it's at night and like there's nothing more beautiful than like that spinning light that like you get for a second and then it moves. And so finally we're able to park the car on this cliffside, and the light just, we're like laying in the back of my car with the windows kind of down so you can hear the ocean and like the breeze coming through. And every like five, 10 seconds, like the car would be like filled with this light as like, the lighthouse would circle around and then it would like push back off. And it just made for like an extremely romantic night after such a tense day of driving. And then when we woke up and like God gave us light and it's this gorgeous fog that is like rolled in off the cliffs and this lighthouse is just standing right there. This lighthouse that like got us through the night and like we didn't break up because of it kind of thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, And you're like that, that moment is very special to me and it's moments like that that like make trips mean something um oh yeah that is my favorite place in the world currently i hope to find more um but if we had been if we had left six hours earlier or stopped earlier i would have driven right past that lighthouse oh yeah that lighthouse would have been just like a oh look a lighthouse and then moving on um so that's such a great story i think it is really one of those moments you painted a picture for me there like stephanie meyer take notes baby girl this is how it's done descriptive yeah descriptive language 
That's incredible. I I love that. And I, it's always about those small little moments you get. It's never about the big thing when you take trips and stuff like that. I feel like all my memories are like of joking around with my sisters in the lobby of a hotel. And that's the moment where I'm like, that was such a fun trip. So I appreciate that. That was a great answer. All right, let's see. Let's see, do we have any more? Okay, if you have to eat one thing for dinner every night, what is it? Do you have an answer? It's okay. Four These are like if, if I have to live in this reality where I can only have one meal and just the, this is why these, you strike a nerve with this question because these questions- I, You got mad. You got upset. I think about where I go, if I can only have one meal, does this mean that like <laughs> human beings, like we were only creative enough as a, as a species to create one dinner for ourselves and I have to be responsible to choose it? Like I have been given that crown. Um, I don't want to live in that world, but okay. <laughs> if I had to choose, it would be my mom makes a killer stew. Um, oh yeah. Let's let's get into this, the description let's get of it. it. Let's, let's get smell it. the stew. Hit me with um, it. This is, this is the stew that I never. I played high school football. Played is in quotes because I rode the bench. And I, I loved this, the symbol of like having a Letterman jacket. And I also oh, had yeah. a fierce Napoleon complex. So I was this tiny ass kid. <laughs> Anytime I got to go on the field, would, I don't even care if I was the one who was like getting the big hit on. Like I would try and hit people, but then they would just smack the fuck out of right, me. And I was right, right, like, right. Yeah, like I'm a, I was out there. You're like, I did it. Yeah, that's like me bombing. And then being like, I did it. Like that's it. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting out of practice being just the practice dummy and it's pouring rain and it's cold and like shivers are going all up and down your back and like the water from your sweat and the rain is like mixing together and you just smell like fucking shit and you're sitting there and you're like you know what life is good because I know for a fact that when I left the house this morning my mom said she was making that stew and you're like that's like all you can think about and it warms your entire body when you get home and like you don't even shower, you just like sit in your own filth at the kitchen table with your cleats still on, and you just you just inhale it as quickly as you can without burning the roof of your mouth. I love like it. Pizza, um, yeah. Just I don't know if you can smell I, that. No, I do. I do. Here's the thing. You're talking to the girl who wrote an essay in college, like a real ass college essay about my mom making me sauce. I, I needed that. I needed that level of commitment from you. So I appreciate that. It's the little moments. It's the little it's moments the little that moments. keep you from growing into a palm tree. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Okay. I think we, I think we crushed the rapid fire. I mean, it wasn't really rapid because we both talk a ton, which I'm into. So yeah, I'm in well. I like the little like, get to know me feel. I feel like it's kind of a good way to loosen up. I appreciate it whenever I go to events and I see people who are higher up answer questions and I'm like, oh, there's a human in there. Yeah. Who would have known? Yeah, a, a soul that like might know it's up. It's, it's nice to show each other our psychos. Um, yeah. It's, it's important. We established before we started recording that we both have like psychotic middle child energy um and that's why this works so well that's because we're just on that same wavelength but yeah i ride it okay so then let's get into the more of the basics okay how did you get your start in acting and was it something that you always knew you wanted to do 
Uh, 100%. 100%. It's uh, performing was a big part of that middle child syndrome. Um, Yeah. Resonates. you You need your parents to pay attention to you. And you have two older siblings that are, you know, domineering the sports and the academia and, you know, all their, their extra hobbies. And you're kind of sitting there and you got your two younger brothers that are still being babied. And you're like, I got to do something, man. I, I got to get a seat at this table of the attention train. Like I got to get on board, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so that's, I was so obsessed with copying my two older brothers doing everything that they did. And then it hit me. My parents like pulled us out of Connecticut down to Georgia. And that's when it hit me that like, I got to switch things up. I have to, I can't just be doing what my older brothers are doing. It's not fulfilling to me. And I told my parents that I wanted to get involved with the local theater program. My mother was so gung ho. I'm one of five boys. So any kind of, um, I don't want to lump it into feminine energy because the theater has this um, stereotype about it, but it's so wrong. It's, it's not true. Um, but no, not she was just that someone was like, hey, I don't want to go out to soccer this summer. I want to get yep. dropped off at theater camp. And she, was my, she still is my biggest support system, um, made that happen. And then my two older brothers watched me go off and do this. They dropped everything. They saw me doing theater and they were like, we don't want to do our sports anymore. We want to go do what Michael's doing. Wow. I actually didn't know that. I'm the only one who stuck with it. There was a time when there was a play that all three of us were in. I think it was a musical, The Little Princess. Um, Oh my God. We were all in it at the same time. And those are are moments that like, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have because it was fun. It wasn't a job. Yes. It was... Yes. It was something that I, for the first time in my life, was leading and guiding the pack in. Like my two role models, my two biggest role models in my life, they were they were trying to emulate me, and that felt so cool. Um, and that just pushed me to want to be good at it. Like it wasn't enough just to do it. Like it was it was like all right, well, fuck, it was my idea. Like we might as well be good. They didn't stick with it. Um, yeah. I think when they got to high school. Um, they kind of, the, the, uh, the politics of the theater program in school got to them. And so I David had to it. do, yeah, like David ended up having to do tech, like tech theater, mm-hmm. as opposed to being in the play, he was now running sound for the play. And Chris ended up getting really good at lacrosse and he just couldn't not place his energy there. Um, so I, I would say yeah. from the beginning, uh, I have, I have felt fulfilled with performing. Um, It's a scary thing now uh, because I've been doing it for so long. Oh, yeah. And in a professional setting, it it can be, it's just different. It's it's a little less fun and a bit more like you watching this money get spent and you're like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do a a damn good job. And I'm going to walk off this thing and people are only going to be able to say X, Y, and Z about me and it's going to be positive. Um, so there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And then there's just this anxiety when you get on for your first day where you just have to announce to everyone, Matthew McConaughey is the one who, you know, put this in front of me, just acknowledge that you're nervous. And that's the first step from changing nerves to excitement. Um, 
because everyone else is nervous. So you might as well yeah. tell them. Um, and that, that thankfully has worked. Um, my, I'm rambling. I just went no, from no, no. beginning to Matthew McConaughey. I, so. I am, I am loving it though. Like this is what, this is also like what people want. They want to see the candid conversation. Giving the people what they want. They don't, they don't care about this. They want to hear what you have to say. And it's well, really thank cool. Thank you for freeing me for myself. Oh, you're so welcome. That. We had a whole talk about this, about, you know, getting in your own head sometimes. And I mean, you have been with it for a while. And I think it's so weird to think about because acting is one of those careers where like, I can't imagine being in the job I am now for years and years and years. But when you think about it, acting is more of a function. So it's kind of like you could be in it and be in so many different roles. And you've been in a lot and you have a lot coming out, right? Like I saw that you have some things coming I up. am showing my bare ass for the first time. Really? <laughs> and I did such a shit job. Um, I don't think I could do that. You know, it's less scary than you think. The people on set are so funny about it. Like you just, done, like some of the best jokes come out of those awkward situations where you're just walking around naked and it's just you, a director, and a light guy, and a camera guy. And you're all like, this is the fam. This is the fam today. Like, this is the uh, crew. This is the crew. <laughs> so, you know. Looking at uh, Michael's ass. Yes. I, I did such a bad job of warning my grandparents, my- um, Oh, I was gonna say. My friends and family about Insatiable. The, the second episode, there's a sex scene. Oh, I know. For a woman. <laughs> oh, I know. I, for some reason, I was like, no one's gonna see this thing. No one's gonna see this thing. My part isn't that big in it. Like, it will be fine. Like, are then, you kidding me? So you don't know. Like, you're, you're doing this stuff and you're sitting around on set and you're laughing at all the jokes and you're like, this is good. This is good. But in terms of, I mean, there's the film you write, there's the film you shoot, there's the film you edit. Like, so many things can get changed. I had a completely different character arc in the <laughs> pilot of Insatiable that got edited out and given to another character because it made more sense but like you just you can't you can't predict when lightning strikes a show and so when it did when it did to use the term pop off when it did pop off so I, was sorry. Like, Fuck, I gotta call a bunch of people and be like don't watch like do well, not or skip episode two because it, it got it gets a little steamy because you end up being like one of the main characters in the show. You kiss Debbie Ryan on the mouth many times. Um, but yeah, it's actually funny you say that about that scene because my family watched it. Well, family as in the people oh, who can- Should have called the Gregories. Okay. So I remember I watched it and I was like, oh my God, no, like my mom can't watch this. So we were just like, oh, it's, yeah, no, no, no. I don't think it's your thing, you know? And then my dad, I think, ended up telling her like, oh, no, there's just some kiss scenes, nothing crazy. And Lisa was like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. I was like, oh, my God, thank God she doesn't know how to click onto Netflix and press play because she wouldn't have been ready. But it's okay. It's okay. It was great. And your character arc was so much more than that. So, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. How was that time shooting Insatiable? Because I feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but before and after, it's been a large change because that was like your first really starring role i guess would you say not, uh definitely not starring um it's it's the first role in my career 
it's the first role in my career where I can be trusted in an extended job. Uh, work in a character on a show for six months um, and show up and do good work consistently is a lot to ask of an actor who I was still relatively green at the time of working. I, I had done a few things for me to move out to LA, but I was still new. And so for someone to give me the shot meant that the people, the casting directors who were betting on me said, all right, I've seen him in my office enough times and he keeps showing up with good work that we should give him the chance. And, you know, if he doesn't get fired, I mean, you can do a pilot, the pilot episode, and they won't bring you back. If you don't do a good job, it's so scary. Like everyone's just sitting at the phone and, and you get the call and it's like, hey, the show got picked up. And then your agent calls you and they say, all right, it's great news that the show got picked up, but hold tight. We have to make sure that your contract is safe. So when I got- Like, don't call grandma. Yep. Don't let her know yet. Okay. So the, I would say the change, the biggest change, it's, it's twofold in two different ways. Um, the biggest change is that I'm now a trusted actor in the Hollywood community. Within, um, within this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess industry. It, but specifically Hollywood, because I'm not known by New York casting directors and I'm not known, I'm Bro, known by- it's, I didn't even think directors. about that. Like that's like, like a whole different network of people that you think it, they all talk, but maybe not. They, they do talk, they do talk, but in terms of being in the room across from them, and that's what matters, like for them to like feel like they can trust you with this job because it reflects on the casting director. That's, oh, yeah. that's the big thing that young actors don't get is like, you're not trying to get the job. You're trying to do a good audition. So the casting director makes a note of your name and is like, oh shit, he might just be a good actor. Um, so I would say now I'm trusted. Now when I get auditions, I actually know who the casting director is and I know that they know me and that's a cool feeling. Oh, um, yeah. And the other way it's changed is my, when I first moved out to LA, I made a amazing group of friends. Um, and for season one and season two of Insatiable, it brought me back to Atlanta for six months out of the year. Yeah. And it is crazy, like, the amount of growth that happens within your social circles when you leave town and then you come back and you're like, yo, I'm back. Like, let's all get together. And then yep. everyone's like, this person slept with this person and this person. <laughs> this person. You got to get the like, tea. You got to get the drama. Yes. The tea. You yeah. have to have it. And, and I would say in that, like, that was also just, because that stuff matters. Like that, that, if you don't have that, you don't make it in LA. Like if yeah. you lose the things and the people that make you, you, your spark of madness, you're just now changing for everyone that you meet and you're just going to become a carbon copy of Hollywood. Um, yeah. That's not going to get cast. Like the casting directors don't want that because they can get that oh. anywhere. And I think it's also crazy to think about the fact that it's the casting directors, they want you to get the job. That makes their day so much easier to just give it to you on the spot. But they really need to have the discernment to see that you're going to perform. And it's also crazy to think that you're performing in front of the same people multiple times. Because, you know, when you think about it, it's like as if I was going into an interview in a corporate setting, but with the same person over 
and over again. How do you how do you find the LA culture in general? Because we're kind of touching on it now, just with casting and having a group of friends. Because you've kind of you've lived all over. Yeah, you- LA's. I I have no beef with LA. I no feel beef. like everyone everyone else does. Yeah. Um, except for us, like me and my people, we like we survive out here. We're not necessarily the most plugged in group. We're not going out all the time, but in terms of like, you know, if we want to get a group of people together and go to the beach, play volleyball, surf, hike, um, water balloon fights, like we'll do that. Like, and that's just, you can do anywhere. And because they're good people, um, like good people make good times. That's, that's the ingredients. Um, that's the drink of choice. So I, I love LA. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if this will like blind you people, but like, like it's gorgeous. You can't be it. Yeah. You can't, you can't get that anywhere else. Um, you cannot Hi. And in terms of focuses on the back, (laughs) that's not it. That's not doing it. Lovely pine trees. You got there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I got no beef with LA. I I admit I don't like how saturated it is industry-wise. I I feel like that's what I crave about like a city like New York. Um, you have bankers, you have people who work at the embassy, you have writers, like real writers, not not screenplay writers, but like authors. Yes, um, yes. And and some acting. Like that to me is more appealing than going out and you're getting drinks and everyone knows everyone because everyone's working the same gig economy. Um, yes. I don't know if I shouldn't call it a gig economy, but um, it's, it's kind of, I think it's also really crazy to think that the culture, I guess, with friends in LA is different in the sense that like, I know a lot happens behind the scenes to get there, but it's almost like one day the person is running with you. And then the next day they could be at this whole other level. And it's, a weird dynamic, I'm sure, to kind of navigate because at the end of the day, a lot of friendships then are also kind of tied into work, which can be a little weird. Uh, it's, it's extremely weird if you don't talk about it. Like if you guys are just like, oh, we're just Oh, yeah, writing. you keep it. Don't start writing a movie together and not be like, hey, this is a business. Like don't, don't think you're not going to get to the business side of things. It always... you all, Plan for it. Like that should happen. You should sell yes. your movie. Sell it together. Don't don't end up like fighting each other for it. That's crazy. Don't want that to happen. No, yeah. Um, it's definitely definitely a different dynamic. Is there any kind of role that you want to explore coming up? Um I feel like I would love to do something, anything that is based off of a true story. Ooh, that's um, a good answer. I feel like those are, the best, those are the best stories. Like, those are the ones that um, that I, I always walk away from. I go, that really happened? Yeah, it, like, those are the ones that resonate, definitely. The first one that came to my head when you said that was the actual movie True Story. It has Jonah Hill in it. He did such a fantastic job. James Franco's in it as well. But there's, like, one scene shot at Fordham, my college, and wow. What an exciting time for me to see that in the trailer. Because it was really good. It was a cool story. I won't get into it. I I know that place. Hey, I know that place. And in terms of 
like roles, um, a anything that um, just is a, is a character, is a step away from um, a young, attractive male. Uh, you know, and, and I get that like- Look, you're fun to look at. What are you gonna thing. do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to write it myself. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to, I don't know, you're going to have to wear a mask or something because that ain't going to work, my friend. I would love to be typecast as an attractive person. That sounds like a great... A it's great exhausting. Typecast. You know, it is just, it's just exhausting being so I, goddamn attractive. I get that. I think I'm, my typecast would be the yappy best friend. I'm just, yeah. oh, shut up. <laughs> Whatever. I get killed off first, but you know what? That's okay. You're, you're gone. I'm gone. Who has influenced you the most out of people that you have worked with? Um, hmm. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my God. She got deep for a second. Yeah. Um, no, and it's a great question for me to just ask myself why haven't I asked myself that um so the most inspiring actor to me um he's, he's not super well known um but he does good work his name is Winston Bethel uh I worked with him on All Rise and he gave me he gave me um a genuine answer which can be kind of rare with actors who um are just like set um mm. Like, you know, they, they just go to their trailer, they come to set, they go to the trailer, they come to set, because they're working on so many fucking things. It's hard to get a personal moment. Um, so we're in air, hair and makeup after the day, wiping all the, you know, makeup off our faces and just trying to, you know, get ready to go to our cars. Um, and I ask him, you know, the thing that every young actor should be asking older actors, what's what could you... Um, what can you tell me? Like, what do you know? What is your, what is a truth? Um, I, I probably phrased it in, um, if you, if you were to tell your younger self something, what would it be? And those questions can rub people the wrong way sometimes. And I acknowledge that. And I don't really, I only ask them when it's appropriate. Um, yeah. and, and he looked at me and he thought about it and he said, you gotta be doing other things. If you, if you know you're a good actor, that's great. Keep going to class, keep doing whatever you wanna be doing for acting, but make sure you have something else that fills you up. Because if you only put yourself into this, it's gonna chew you up, it will spit you out because it always does that. And if you have nothing else to land onto, you'll quit because yeah. the chewing up and the spitting out is guaranteed. Yeah. It's guaranteed. So you might as well do it over and over and over and over and over again, make a career of it, but don't, don't dig one hole and then find that you've buried yourself in it. Oh yeah. Uh, so. You can be many things. Like you don't have yeah. to just define yourself as one thing. I actually, I watch the view a lot. Um, and I'm not the view. What am I saying? Whoopi Goldberg. I watched, no, I watched The Real and Adrienne Bailone talks a lot about how like she's kind of done like a bunch of different things like actress, singer, she's the host on that show. 
and she's now a real estate agent. I think that's a great message to spread because you don't have to just define yourself as one thing. We've been going for a minute, so I feel like we can wrap up soon because we got a lot. We got a lot. Um, let's see. What are we going to close this off on? What do you have coming up? What should we be looking out for? So if you want to check me out, you can, uh, you can go to your local theater and go watch uh, Fear Street 2, um, Fear Street 1978, I believe is the full title. I love so, it. Um, you can watch me bear my bare ass. I'm excited. So. I will be watching. My mom will be not. That is okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for giving the heads up. That was, that was proper. Well, with that, you can check Michael out at Michael Provost on Instagram. Open up Netflix and you'll just see his face. It'll just be there. It'll be a great time. Check out Fear Street too. Watch Insatiable. We know you have all the time in the world. You'll get to see some steamy scenes. I promise it's worth it. <laughs> some steamy scenes. All right. But until next time, see you guys later. Ciao, ciao. Okay, and that's a wrap on episode one. I hope you guys liked it. I had a ton of fun recording it. Um, if you did enjoy it, please subscribe, rate, leave a review, do all the things. You can follow me on Instagram at Queen of Corporate or my personal at Chrissy Gregory. Feel free to DM me any suggestions for next time or any potential guests you'd like me to have on, and I'll see what I can do. But until next time, bye, guys. <laughs>